0: blog talk radio you're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on blog talk radio your host, Dr. D.J. McKenzie, with the Master Key on this Monday, this Monday afternoon. I probably have some of you that is uh, on your way home from work, those that is already home. we want to appreciate you all joining with us at 6 o'clock today. Well, we are um, pressing forward and speedily through the first quarter of this year. Just so amazing. Uh, we, I believe that we're living right in the middle of the scripture, where the scripture says, "God doesn't show in the days no flesh will be saved." And time is is uh, really speeding forward rapidly. So we must make sure that we're geared up and doing everything we can to prepare us for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but more than that, I if, if we're not understanding our purpose uh, it's not pre- preparing ourselves to, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so we can escape here but what uh, have you accomplished why you been here uh, do we not understand that God is going to hold all of us accountable for the time he give us and uh, hey, am I doing everything that the father's commissioned me to do and everything is about two main issues Uh, The great commandment and the great commission Uh, All of creation, everything hangs on those two I personally believe you cannot do the great commission Until you experience and do the great commandment Uh, uh, We can win souls But the great commandment Exposed and revealed my motive For doing the great commission So everything is about my relationship with him, my intimacy with him. That's not what we want to uh, share tonight. Uh, I want to look at some things that help us to understand uh, what has God been doing with us Um, from the moment you've been saved to now. uh, To me, I personally believe that uh, we all need to teach a balanced gospel. Uh, we need to uh, uh, encourage people to believe in a balanced gospel and what I mean by that uh, many times it is imbalanced from the perspective of uh, we don't want people, how can I say this adequately and appropriately uh uh The Bible said, "All they that live godly will suffer persecution. We don't like teaching on those kinds of things. But if not, we're not going to prepare the people how to stand. I personally believe that God will allow persecution, because the scripture said it, but for you and I to experience the victory that has been given to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there's, there's, there's nothing that appeared to be negative that you have experienced was wasteful. You ever notice that Jesus never was wasteful? The miracles of the fish and the loaves, they took up the basketfuls. They did not throw them away and throw them in a the trash can. So they took up basketfuls. So he, he's never got a waste. God refused to allow your life to be wasteful. He refused to allow, that's why the scripture says, God would take what the devil meant for evil. Well, the scripture don't say the devil meant for evil, but that's what uh, Joseph said to his brothers that uh, sold him into Egypt. Uh, God took that thing and he's going to turn that thing around what were you meant for evil, God made it turned around for good. So even with that, so as we begin to understand, Joseph life in Egypt was not a waste. Joseph life in the pit was not a waste. Joseph being falsely accused by part of her wife was not a waste. Joseph in 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 the prison of Pharaoh was not a waste whatever you have been challenged with it is not a waste whatever you have experienced it's not a waste whatever hardship you've experienced whatever lies that you've experienced ladies and gentlemen If you and I have the right attitude, the right mentality, the right disposition, God will not allow your life to be a waste. I'm going to say it again. God will not allow your life to be a waste. God knows how to capitalize on things that appear to be negative, appear to be destructive, God knows how to capitalize on them. So he will not allow, I'm going to say it again, he will not allow your life to go to waste. I don't care if you was raised up, you was an a unexpected child, if your parents did not plan you. God will not allow your life to go to waste. I don't care if your parents was an alcoholic or a drug addict. I don't care if you, you, you grew up in poverty. God will not allow your life to go to waste. This must become a reality to you. When we begin to look at men and women that God raised up in the Word of the Lord, the majority, all of them experience negative circumstances, negative situation. God knows how to capitalize on your negative circumstance, your negative situation. He know how to use that for your promotion, to use that for your advancement. See, we we, we got to understand this thing, and that's why... I started this broadcast on saying about a balanced gospel. Even with faith, many times faith is not taught with balance. A lot of people believe the purpose of faith is to escape tests, trials, persecution. But how could that be? Then faith will go against the word of God if we taught it from that perspective. Faith is not designed to escape anything. Faith is designed to be sustained in the midst of everything. Regardless of what comes your way, my way, it is my faith in the finished work of Calvary. It's my faith in the resurrection of Jesus. It's my faith in the ascension of Christ. It's my faith in the enthronement of Christ that's going to sustain me regardless of whatever is transpired around me. Faith is not designed to escape any any pain. So if I have that kind of understanding, uh, uh, really, an erroneous understanding, ladies and gentlemen, then you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated, and you're going to be aggravated, and you're going to begin to say, "God, what 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 what's, what happened to me? Why my faith isn't strong?" And the Lord would turn back around and say, Why you say your faith is not strong? Because if I had faith, I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing. And the Lord would speak back to you and say, Who told you that? Then you say, Well, I heard that preached. But the Lord would go back to you and say, You heard that preach, but show me that in, in the Word. Show me what man, a woman of God, that I ever done anything with and through. That was not a man of faith, a woman of faith, that didn't experience some kind of test, challenges, opposition, persecution. Look at David. Look at Moses. Look at Joshua. L- look at look at Elijah. All of these people was men of faith. Their faith did not stop them from being tested. Their faith did not stop them from being persecuted. The whole congregation wanted to stone Moses, so faith is not designed to uh uh block and stop tests and trials, so that, that's that's erroneous. Faith have everything to do with being believing that God is going to sustain you, God is going to protect you, God is not going to allow you to die. God is your life, God is your shield, God is your butler, God is your high tower, God is your strong power. God is your life, God is your peace, God is your joy, God is your victory. God is your conquer. see, that's the purpose of faith. Now, the reason the Lord will have us to share this, I personally believe, ladies and gentlemen, well, let's go through the scripture if you will, it's been kind of with me. Uh, uh, meditating on this Let's look at some biblical principles In the word of the Lord You are so dynamite So awesome, so great, so powerful But the majority don't, do not believe it And will not ever experience it Can I tell you why? Because you want to experience The greatness of God in you Without going through the process Of experiencing it it's a process. So let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Those of you that have a Bible, come and follow along with me, if you will. I'll be reading out of the Amplified Version. If you don't have a Bible, just take some notes. Meditate on on whatever the Lord says. Whatever he speaks to you, write it down and meditate on it after the broadcast is over with. But we want to go to Romans, if you will. Uh, Romans, chapter 8. And we're going to begin to look at verse, let's look at verse 15. Let's look at verse 14. Now, let's break this down. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, who are sons of God? It says those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. But what about those that is not led by the Spirit of God? Are they sons of God? I personally believe they may be sons of God, but not manifested sons. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead us into a manifestation. How in the world would you and I ever know that we are sons of God if you and I never put in a situation for us, the sonship to manifest? How would you and I will ever know that Jesus really conquered the enemy and gave us, and the Father gave us the victory that Jesus won over Satan. If you and I have never been put in the situation to experience it, then I am so concerned with a lot of us because we're satisfied with knowing things without experiencing things. Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit? Or you just got good teaching on the Holy Spirit? Let's look at something. Let's look at it if you will. So it starts off say, uh, here, uh, verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Are uh, sons of God. Verse fourteen, fifteen. Uh, 15, excuse me. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. Fear is slavery. Fear is bondage. Notice what it says. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. So if I'm afraid of anything, at that particular moment, ladies and gentlemen, I am not led by the Spirit of God, and I am not submitted to the Spirit of God, I'm not yielded to the Spirit of God, have the Spirit of God, but not submit to the Spirit of God, then it does me no good. You know why? Because it it obscures my sonship. My sonship is hidden. It says, verse 14 again, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So, he says here, for the Spirit which you have now received, for the Spirit that you have now received... Why receive something if you're not going to use something or receive something or someone like the Holy Spirit and won't let the Holy Spirit do what he's supposed to do by receiving him? Once again, verse 15. For the spirit which you have now received, which you have now received, is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit producing sonship. The spirit producing sonship. In the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. Father. Now, what's the Holy Spirit done? Producing what? Sonship. Producing what? Sonship. Now, the Holy Spirit... Comes in you, comes in me, to lead you and I into the experiential manifestation of sonship. Because it says here, producing sonship. Now let's go to verse 16. Because we have to, the scripture always interpreted itself. 16 says, The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit. So we see there's a distinction here. You have the Holy Spirit and our spirit. Now the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is testifying to our human spirit. Assuring us that we are children of God. Assuring us that we are what? Children of God. It didn't say assuring us that we are sons of God. Is it assuring us that we are children of God? Because there is a distinction between sonship and children. When you get a chance, uh, do a research on that Instead, study. It'll be, be a blessing to you. So we have more children that believe in the body than sons. Now let's move on. This is This is beautiful. So we see now we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes living out of a human spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to my spirit that I'm a child of God. It doesn't it testify I'm a son of God. Because the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to produce sonship. I'm automatically born, once I'm born again, I'm a child of God. But, I, but sonship is something that I must develop into. Now watch this here. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful. Verse 17 says, and if we are his children, then we are heirs, his heirs also. He didn't say if we were his sons. He didn't say if we were his sons. He said if we are his children, we're what? Heirs. Every child is an heir of their father and mother. Let's go to another scripture. I'm going to come back here. I want to finish this. This came to my spirit. So we can see the difference between a child of God, son of God, even that's not what we're sharing tonight, but I'm going to show you how you become a son. I'm going to show you what God does allow to happen for you and I to become sons of God, or we can stay a child of God. But let's go over here, if you will. I want to come back to Romans 8 there. But let me go over here to the book of Galatians, chapter 4. Let's look at this right here. This came in my spirit when I was sharing that. Galatians, chapter 4, and verse 1, I'm still reading out of the Amplified Version. Now what I mean is that as long as the inheritor the heir is a child and under age he does not differ from a slave although he is the master of all the estate so what is that saying we just showed you in Romans 8, how the Holy Spirit is producing sonship. The next verse says, how the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, not sons of God. Children of God. Then if, if, if we belong to Christ, then we're heirs. Uh, if we're children, then we're heirs of Christ, and joint heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ, excuse me they're talking about the child not the son over here in galatians paul who wrote romans is writing galatians in chapter 1 here he said now what i mean is that as long as the inheritor heir is a child and under age he does not differ from a slave although he is the master of all the estate let's break that down if you will I have three daughters. My youngest daughter is 15. My oldest daughter is 24. My middle daughter is 18. shows you I'm a very young man. Let's get this here, if you will. Now, I have two daughters that is considered to be adults. Uh, My oldest daughter will be 25 this year. My middle girl will be 19 this year. My youngest daughter will be 16 this year. So in the natural, in the natural, I got two daughters that is of age. In the natural. They're of age and they will have more, uh, should have more access to the estate. Said the estate, well, whatever we own. They're heirs. But my youngest daughter She's an heir too, but in the natural, she's underage. Since she's underage, she has absolutely no right to anything, but yet she, according to the word of God here, verse 1, she is master of all this state. Now, you got to understand, Paul is speaking from his day, from his day and time, they owned slaves back then. Christians own slaves. And so it says here that the child is underage, he does not differ from a slave. In other words, even though the child is master of the holy state, but the child will be treated just like a servant. A servant don't own absolutely nothing. Even though the child underage age. Is master over the state, but don't have access to the state. The slave does not have access to the state at all, period. Because the slave was not born in that family. Are, 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 are you getting this? So we put a lot of emphasis on, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a master of all. But you don't have access to all. Because you still have not grown up and proven that you are mature enough to be trusted with this state. Now the son, though, but a child. Let's finish reading this, if you will. Are, are, are you getting this? This is this is. Just stick with me. I, I believe you're going to really. Appreciate why God has allowed you to experience some of the things that you have experienced in life. He was really trying to get you to develop to a son. A son of God that He can entrust you with His inheritance. Even though you are master over the whole estate, but God cannot trust everyone with the estate, He cannot trust every child with the estate even though you're a master. Because the Bible says you are heirs. Because you're a child, you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. You're what? Heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. He didn't say sons, uh, he says a child of God. You're a child of God. But a child of God that is not a son is an immature son or daughter that cannot be trusted with this state. Notice what it says here, if you will. Verse 2. Galatians four two. But he is under guardians and administrators or trustees until the date fixed by his father. Until what? The date fixed by his father. Now, what you may be looking at is a natural date. You may be looking at Well, when they get 18, when they get 19, when they get 20, when they get 21. But God don't operate that way. God don't deal with us according to our chronological age. When God fix a date, it's not a date that is set in time, space. It is a date of Something happening in your life. Something that is developed in your life. I'll give you an example. Just say, as I'm going to leave the first daughter that is able to lift 135 pounds which none of them can, can live under 35 pounds, but I'm just giving you something in the natural. So it's, it's not which one turn a certain age when, when, with, which one can first do this, but the father is not going to tell you what it is. When you reach there, the father would know. And that's what people don't understand how God operate. So, so he knows when you reach this point, you now has moved from a child state to a son state. So whatever the date that is fixed by the father, until the date fixed by the father. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we can be saved for 50 years and never ever become a son but stay a child. So it's not how long you've been saved. A lot of people pride themselves, I've been saved 50 years, I've been saved 60 years, I've been saved 70 years, but has never developed. Have not reached that point that has been fixed by the Father. I'm going to show you, uh, when we go back to Romans there, what God allows to happen for you and I to experience sonship. So we see here in verse 2, but it's on the tutors, it's upon the guardians... And administrators or trustees until the date fixed by the father. Are, are you all getting this? Now let's go back, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. Now if all of us understood this, you would know what you would have a, a set time fixed for your children. Those that is pastors and leaders on this phone, on this broadcast, excuse me, on this broadcast, you will have certain things fixed, but you can't have anything fixed if nothing has been fixed for you and you became a son. That's why the Bible said, Many are chosen, many are called, excuse me, but few are chosen. Many are. Think about it. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why many is called, but why is few chosen out of the many? Because only few reach sonship. The many that is called are children. He don't call the sinner. He calls the children. Many are called, but few are chosen. You know the problem in the church? We have put people in position of authority that God called, but God didn't choose. And know how we put people in position of authority? That God called, didn't choose, because we don't even know the standard of God for his choosing. And what the other standard is for choosing people the ability to pray, the ability to quote scriptures, or teach, or preach, and none of that was the standard for Jesus. None of that is the New Testament standard. None of that was even the Old Testament standard. So we end up putting people, and we hurt them. We hurt them. How do we hurt them? We hurt them Because we put them in position of authority based on a standard that is not of heaven, that is not of the kingdom. And any time you and I put people in position of authority that is not the standard of the kingdom, they will always, always, ladies and gentlemen, unless God intervenes, they will always come into the condemnation of Satan. They will always be lifted up in pride and fall into the condemnation of state. I guarantee you have seen it and experienced it uh uh in your church, or you've been a victim of it yourself. A child, but not a son. We put people in position of authority who still up, up is up under. The King James says, uh, New King, tutors and governors, administrators, trustees, Amplify says. They're still under them, but we take them from under them and place them in a position of authority when the father had a set time. He was looking for something. So let's go and see what he was looking for. Let's see what he was looking for. And see, if we, God is the standard, Jesus is the standard, the Word is the standard. A lot of us has hurt our children as well as hurt members in the church because we do not know what the Father has fixed for yourself. You believe that if I just become proficient in my prayer life, if I become proficient in my study life, if I become proficient in teaching and preaching, then I'm qualified. But that's not what the Father qualified one as a son. He keeps us up under administrators, He keeps up, uh, us up under trustees, he, t- he keeps us under these things until the time fixed by the Father. And the father is looking for something. It's not a it's not a fixed time for as two years from now, tomorrow. No, it is something that needs to be developed. We'll let the father know you're ready. When he see it, he know you're ready. You ever notice, ladies and gentlemen? That everybody got to pass the test before they go to the next grade, especially the SAT test they got out now. My daughter was, most of the daughters was, was sharing some principles with me. She wrote home with me on, on on Sunday from church, and she was sharing some principles with me about uh, uh, she she uh, part of this uh, company group, uh, some mentorship uh, group called City Year, and uh, excellent principles. But her one of her responsibilities is to help prepare these children for the SAT test. She has some excellent principles with me. And uh uh she was sharing with me that she was telling them that uh that you may get promoted, but you may get if, if you get promoted, you'll be taking the same kind of class, you'll be on a sixth grade level, a fifth grade level, i forgot what grade she told me, I think it was sixth grade. You may get promoted, but if you don't pass uh, uh, this, because they don't have to take the there's just preparation for them. So you will be in the next grade, but taking these kind of classes. Are, are you hearing me? Same principle. Same principle with God. So God, you notice that He, everybody's tested? What's the purpose of the test? Does test make me look bad? You look bad? Absolutely not. God is in the business of promotion. God is in the business of elevation. God is in the business of increase. That's the kind of business he's in. God is not in your life for you to fail. God is not in the failure business. That's why I said, God know how to take whatever negative situation you was raised up in and turned that thing around for his glory. He know to exalt you and extol you and magnify you out of a negative, destructive situation and put you on the mountaintop. And everybody would wonder, how in the world did that happen? And everybody would have to know it was nobody but Almighty God. There was nobody but Almighty God that allowed you to be in the place that you are. Because I remember where you come from. I remember your family. I remember you all the poorest people in the neighborhood. I remember your mother was an alcoholic. I remember your daddy was a drunk. How in the world you became a senator? How you became a mayor? How you became a commissioner? How you became a pastor? How you got your own business? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of stuff that God specializes in. Oh, he loved that kind of stuff. So he can get all the glory. Watch this right here. This is beautiful. Now let's look at, if you will, let's go back over here to verse 17, Romans chapter 8. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. If we are his what? Children. It is his sons. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Sharing. But this is the key. This is the only way that you and I are going to be able to share its inheritance. You already been you already as a child of God by birth, new birth. You automatically became an heir of God. You automatically became a joint heir with Christ. But only notice what this is beautiful. Only we must share his suffering. If we are to share his glory and that's the part i personally believe that has made the church weak the way it is because we don't talk about something that is vital we don't talk about help people to handle suffering persecution accusation, slander. We don't help people, teach people, and help people to deal with these kind of things victoriously. We say if you experience these, you have no faith. Which is absolutely nonsense. It's nonsense. So, According to this right here, it says here, Now, we're heirs of Christ. If we are children, his children, then we are his heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Sharing his what? Inheritance with him. Only, only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. So you mean to tell me, according to what we just read here, a part of the inheritance is inheriting his suffering? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Did God design his suffering? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. He learned what? Obedience. Through what? The things he what? Suffered. people that refuse to go through what God has designed for them will stay children. Children pout. Children cry. Children whine. Children complain. Children blame. Children. But not sons. Not sons. Sons don't Complain, don't murmur, don't grumble. See, see, this is going back over the Galatians. The thing that's been fixed that God is looking for. The time that's, set by, that's been fixed by the Father. So the Father knows you're ready when he allows you to go through some kind of suffering and there's no complaining. Why? That reveals you trust him. There's no whining. That reveals you trust him. When there is no uh, uh, accusation or pointing of the fingers or blaming, he knows. That's the fixed time, ladies and gentlemen. He knows you are ready to handle the inheritance. You're ready to partake of the inheritance. Why? Because uh, you trust him. You believe him. Like Abraham offering his son up to God. The sacrifice. We don't see Isaac whining. We don't see Isaac complaining. We don't see Isaac murmuring. We don't see Isaac grumbling. We see Isaac trusting God and his father. He's ready. That is the fixed time. That is the fixed time. It's not chronological age. So you can be you can be saved 50 years and never arrive at the fixed time. And you think God is partial. God, you partial. You're prejudiced. You know, I've been saved 50 years. That person only been saved three years, Lord. And, and look what, how you blessing them. And look what you're doing for them. And you said in your word that uh, uh, I'm an heir. I'm an heir just like them. I've been saved 50 years. Why did, why are you blessing them? God said, I had nothing to do with that. But yes, you're God. No, they made a decision to trust me. I put them through the same test I put you through. They never complained. They never mumbled. They never pointed the finger at nobody else. They never blamed anybody for why they was going through what they were going through. They submitted to me. They trusted me. They praised me in the midst of it. Son, daughter. But every time I took you through, you didn't realize I was trying to promote you. I was trying to raise you up so you can be a partaker of the inheritance. So you can begin to experience the inheritance in this life. Not the life to come. In this life. But every time I did it, you always withdrew. You always complained. You always blamed. You blamed everybody around you. And what you didn't realize and understand, you stayed a child. Forfeiting forfeiting an opportunity to partake over partake of what you are Lord over. Had to keep you from the administrators and trustees. You're still fifty. You've been saved fifty years. But I cannot release you from the administrators. I cannot release you from the trustees. Son, daughter, I cannot trust you. I cannot trust you with inheritance. Trust you're not ready. You end up destroying everything that my son went to the cross to win back for me and for you. Let's move on. And think about it. Think about it, what I just said. Verse 16, for the Spirit himself does testify together with our spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. I love this particular passage of scripture. You know why? Because it reminds me of God testifying about Jesus before when He was water baptized. The Holy Spirit is doing the same thing to us what the Father did for Jesus. Jesus was water baptized. The heavens opened up. The Father testified, "This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased." Now we see here in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit of God doing the same thing. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. Then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted or to suffer. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or to suffer. He didn't suffer in vain all suffering is designed to for one thing and one thing only all suffering is designed for is designed for the crucifixion of our flesh it's designed for us to die It's purpose of it because who knows what it says if you will the last part only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. there can never be glory without suffering. That's because Jesus is the pattern. So God would take all the suffering that you've experienced. I personally believe he would take the suffering that you experienced from the time you was born until the time you get saved, and he would turn around, take what was the negative, and he would turn that thing around and work it out for your good. He'll begin to show you. If you don't have a complaining spirit, he'll begin to show you. Why I allowed you to be born in this family? Why I allowed you to have a mother this way? Why I allowed you to have a father this way? Why I allowed your brothers and sisters uh, to to not like you or or to persecute you like Joseph? Everything is about purpose. God, God was behind Joseph's brothers selling him to Egypt. God was behind it. God was in the midst of it. And God took that suffering that he experienced to process him. Made him out of a man of God. But he had the right attitude. His faith was in God. His trust was in God. And after his father died in Egypt, his brothers thought that he was going to pay them back. Because since his daddy is dead now. They were scared. He said, "No no no, 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 what you all meant for evil, God meant it for good. This was God, and you see why unforgiveness destroy your capacity to become a man of God and a woman of God. you stay a child. Because you don't believe that God has allowed whatever somebody's done to you, he's using that to prepare you, to develop you, to make you out of a manifested son of God. Your unforgiveness keeps you in a baby stage. If Joseph had unforgiveness in his heart, he could not have been raised up and to be the second in charge of Egypt. He couldn't have done it. His unforgiveness, bitterness. How could my family do me this way? How could my brothers do me this way? God is bigger. He knew God was bigger than his brothers. God is bigger than the person that lied on you. God is bigger than the person that persecuted you. God is bigger than the person that stabbed you in your back. He's bigger. He's using the lie. He's using the persecution to prepare you for elevation, to prepare you for promotion. Let's let's go back over to Romans chapter eight, if you will. Let's look at look at uh, the next verse, if you will, verse eighteen. This is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. This is beautiful. I rather choose a man or woman that has gone through great hell, great persecution, and still save. And then a person that is the greatest teacher in the universe, the greatest preacher in the universe, and have never experienced nothing they taught. I'd rather choose a person that don't even can't even quote the Bible, can't even quote two scriptures. But their stand reveals they know Jesus. Their stand reveals they know the Lord. I choose that person any day over any preacher in this world that can stand in the midst of persecution, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of everything that has come their way. But they didn't quit on Jesus. They didn't give up on Jesus. They didn't backslide. They they didn't stop coming to church. They didn't stop praying. They didn't stop uh, uh, reading their word. They didn't stop communing with the Lord. They didn't stop praising. They didn't stop worshiping. They don't understand everything that is going on. But they're holding on to the Lord. And they mentality. And I love that scripture in the book of Revelation. And they love not their lives even unto the death they did not forsake Jesus they didn't quit on Jesus they didn't curse Jesus to his face because of what they was experiencing and what they was going through i'll take that person any day than any person that quotes scriptures and can preach and can teach any day and that's what we have in the world today we got we got we got people that has been glorified People that men has glorified not because of the suffering but because of their abilities and their skill and their talent and their education but not because of their character verse 18 says but what of that for I consider that the suffering of this present time this present life are not worthy, are not worthy, are not worthy being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us and in us, no, excuse me, revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Do you understand what he just said? And, and, and I know this sounds like when Jesus come back, the second coming, no, baby, this is a principle if you're going to have gone through great hell, do you not understand what the Lord just said in his word? He said, it's not even compared. It can't be compared. What you've been going through cannot be compared. What you've been through in your lifetime cannot be compared to the glory that is about to be revealed to you and in you and for you. And conferred on you. Ah, there's a glory that's getting ready to be made manifest. Everybody's counted you out. Everybody said you are the uh, 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 the least likely to succeed. You probably got that written in your your your, your yearbook when you was in school. Least likely to receive uh, to succeed. Oh, God allowed them to write that in your your book. God is the one that pointed that out. God is the one that allowed everybody to look at you as a nobody. Oh, but there's a glory. There is a glory that is about to be revealed to you and in you and for you and conferred on you. There's a glory because you had the right attitude. You didn't run the mama and daddy and brother and sister, nephew, niece, uncle, and dad when you was being persecuted. You just held on. You said, just like Jesus, I'm going to commit myself to him who judges righteously. You didn't fight back. You didn't try to protect yourself. You You didn't try to defend yourself. Disqualifying God for being your defender. Disqualifying God for being your protector and all I have is you, Lord. Help me in the midst of this. Grace me to stand. Sustain me in the midst of the onslaughts of the enemy. Are y'all getting this? This 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 is so awesome, ladies and gentlemen, because this is how it works. And I believe... I'm going to tell you what I really believe. The thing that God allows you to experience, the suffering that God allows you to experience, is the very thing that he wants to raise you up to experience victory or to exercise victory over. In other people's lives. I personally believe the very thing that God. Allows you to suffer. Is a revelation of the dimension of your ministry. He's trying to show you. The glory. That will come. If you trust me in the midst. Of this suffering. Jesus learned. Obedience. Obedience. Through the things he suffered. Jesus learned. The son of God. Learned obedience. Through the things he suffered. And one of the worst things. To mean the most tragic thing. That, is ever, that happens in the body of Christ. When you become a rescuer. Of people out of the hand of God. Because you think it's the devil. And the reason you think it's the devil, because you have never allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you into the wilderness, to sustain you in your wilderness, that you will come out in the power of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. you rescuing people from the hand of God because somebody has rescued you out of the hand of God. So every time you rescue people from God, would appear to be negative. They're suffering. You handicap people. You retard people. They could never get to know the Lord. They only can get to know about the Lord. But they'll never get to know him. And that is the problem. Another problem. We got people leading people that knows about him but don't know him. We know about him but don't know him. Because somebody rescued us from a chance, an opportunity to get to know him. And so, therefore, cut you off from supernatural aid, supernatural help, supernatural provision. Because somebody rescued you. And you didn't believe that God could do it, so you had to whisper in somebody's ear, I need your help. Cutting you off from supernatural help. Ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't talk to you on this wise if I never, haven't been there, have not experienced it. This stuff is a reality. That's how God becomes real to us, and when God becomes real to you, that's how you be, that's how that's how you become bold. That's how you become courageous. You could never be bold and courageous. You always be fearful and timid because you, you 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 have a you don't you won't give him a chance to reveal himself to you. See, we think he revealed himself to us through prayer, through intercession, through warfare, the study of the word, not even warfare, but the study of the word, our devotional books that we have, prayer books that we have, and we read. You don't know, no, 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 you're getting to know about him to prepare you to know him. Knowing about him prepares you. It prepares you to know him. You, you 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 get to know him, know about him on the mountaintop, but he become a reality to you in the valley of the shadow death. That's where you get to know him. And see, in the valley, that's where the devil is at. On the mountaintop, that's where God is. He reveals himself to you on the mountaintop, and what he reveals on the mountaintop must become a reality in the valley. He show you his glory on the mountaintop for glory to manifest in the valley where the demons are. This is hard work, ladies and gentlemen. It's hard work. So when them devils begin to kick up the hill against you, you you have already encountered him on the mountaintop. You've already got a revelation of him on the mountaintop. But it does you no good, God no good, and the people that's in the valley no good. If you can't take that God that would reveal himself to you on the mountaintop, and while you're in the valley, you hold on to him like Jesus did in the wilderness of temptation and he manifests himself. And Jesus conquered Satan by living in total. Dependency upon the one said, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. You and I, depending 100% on the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. What good is it for the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit that I'm a son of God and I believe it until hell breaks loose against me? That is the time that is for you to believe it. That is the time for me to believe it. That is the time for us to believe it as sons and daughters of the most High God. Do not despise your suffering. Do not despise your challenges. Do not despise the things that God has allowed you to go through. Because there's a glory. I know my time is up. There is a glory that is waiting on you. And no devil, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl is going to be able to stop it, ladies and gentlemen. Let me close on this note. Those of you that remember the life of Kenneth Hagen, if you know anything about Kenneth Hagen, he was um, he suffered as a child, and they thought he was uh, he was going to die. He became paralyzed; he could not even move his leg. He began to deteriorate. But he held on to a scripture that he read in the Bible. Somebody read it too. I Forgot how the story went. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. And whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. And one particular day, the Lord said, he told God, he kept confessing, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And then one day, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, if you're healed, why are you still in the bed? He said, well, Lord, he said, if you're healed, why are you still in the bed? So he said, he, he took his hand up under his legs which was paralyzed, could not walk, and he pushed them out of the bed, and it hit the floor. He said it sounded just like sticks hitting the floor. And he said he was in such excruciating pain, then it realized to him, because he had no pain in his leg, had no feeling in his leg, he started rejoicing because of the pain. And he got up, make a long story short, he got up and walked. And it didn't happen that way. He kept on pressing. He was weak. But he kept on, he even got a job. Too weak to work, but he believed that he was healed. And because he pressed, stood on that word, not confessing it, not preaching it, not teaching He was a little boy, so he wasn't a preacher then. But the reason I'm bringing this out, his suffering became his ministry. He became a teacher of faith, a teacher of healing. Extraordinary miracles to, uh, has, uh, was uh, uh, manifested in his ministry. Tremendous healing was manifesting in his ministry. So your suffering is a revelation of your ministry. Are you getting this? Your suffering is a revelation of your ministry. What have you gone through consistently? This is what I'm going to do in you. This is the glory I want to bring in your life. Uh, my time is way off. Well, maybe the Lord will help us continue next week uh tomorrow. We'll see what the Lord do. But this has been your host. I pray to, to God that you have understood why you've been going through what you've been going through because God have a glory that is prepared for you. You have not suffered in vain. You have not been going through in vain. Now, the only way it's in vain is you've been complaining and murmuring and grumbling. So you have made your suffering and your pain and your persecution in vain. Go and repent. I ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you and to wash you and to purge you from all unrighteousness. I ask God to give you the uh, grace to be able to go back through what you you will anyway, but give you the grace to stand so you can apprehend your ministry. You can apprehend the glory that supersedes the suffering that you may experience. There's a glory. But your faith's got to be in God. Your trust's got to be in God. Ladies and gentlemen, let me pray for you. I know the time is up. Father, I thank you for this great radio audience. You have spoken to us. You show us the distinction between a son of God and a child of God. Forgive us, O oh God, for the immaturity. Forgive all of us, O oh God, for the times we complained and mumbled and grumbled and held you up, O oh God. Forgive us for the times, O oh God, that we doubted you, we didn't believe you. But we complained in the midst of the things that was happening to us that we did not understand. Oh, but today, tonight, we pray, oh God, that you will incline your ear unto our cry, our prayers today. We repent. Grant our hearts to change. Grant our minds to change. Grant our thought life to change. Grant our imaginations to change to that of the living God. And Lord God, we thank and we praise you. Oh, God, for reestablishing us, for restoring us in the place where we belong in you. And therefore, Lord God, when the thing come back around again, you shall receive the maximum amount of glory out of our lives. And, Lord God, the very thing, the very glory that you prepared for us, we shall receive it before we leave this earth, O God. And you shall be glorified, and men's lives is going to be blessed as a result, O God, of that glory that awaits us, those that is willing to go through and allow you to develop our character. Bless you, these people, Lord God. These are your precious people, this radio audience. They are precious people. Be glorified in their lives. Take what the enemy meant for evil. Shift it, turn it around for good, for your glory, honor your praise. For surely you have begun a good work in them. You shall finish it unto the day of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you today, Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And we release the increase of the momentum of the manifestation, demonstration of the spirit of the living God on this broadcast. And all of those that will come back through the archives and listen, let them fall upon this conviction and let their hearts change so you can be glorified in their life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Once again, we do solicit your prayers. Pray for us. Invite your family and friends to be with us. Don't forget the last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this month, 530 a.m., Invite your family and friends to be with us on the prayer line. This has been your host, Dr. J. McKenzie with The Master Key. God bless you. Until tomorrow, 6 p.m. <laughs>